Truth News Network. New thinking, city ablaze, island on fire, homes burned to the ground, toxic train derailures, all affecting properties, lives. Shall we call for help? No. How do we monetize this? Seriously. Schwab and the WEF telling you you will own nothing and be happy. Tell you what, Klaus, you lead the way. If you think we're kidding, it's sad, but it's true. And you know what? We're the Truth News Network. And with the hard news is Dan Newman. Sometimes it's hard to fathom and accept bad news just because it's bad news. But you know what? Sometimes bad news is true news. Therefore, we've got to accept it. We can't just deny everything that's uncomfortable for us. Yeah, I mean, I'm human. I'm like you in many ways. I don't like to think a lot about bad things. I'd rather switch that 180-degree lever and get over in happy land, if you know what I mean. But sometimes we can't live there because we must face reality. Facing reality, that's something that those people up in Washington that run our nation, they don't like to us even talk about it. Because when we talk about it, that means we challenge each other to think about it, to figure out what really is happening, not just what they're telling is really happening. When we do that, many in America, they don't like what they see, they want to change it. And this establishment government today does not want us fiddling with their stuff. And they consider what they do for a job they're supposed to be working for us doing, they consider that theirs. And how dare anybody come in and try to change what they think is what should be being done. It's almost every day we're talking about stuff like this. Do you get tired of it? Oh my gosh, I can't stand it. I just want to see an atmosphere, an environment where we can collectively look at everything in our lives and put all of that in a perspective so that we can understand what we need to do to make our lives better, not what they can do to make our lives better because it's pretty unreliable to expect the government, especially the federal government, to listen to we the people and do what we the people want them and ask them to do. And by the way, we empower them to do it. We can change it. We certainly have the right to do so. We have the ability to do so. We get a chance every couple of years at the federal level. Every member of the House of Representatives can only serve two years at a time. Then they either have to go home or run for re-election. So that means they only have 24 months in which to show us what they're going to do. And then if we don't like what they did or didn't do, we can make a change. Yesterday, we had this special election to replace Santos. Remember, he was expelled from the House of Representatives. He was a Republican. He messed up a lot. He had a lot of bad things going on, and they expelled him So that seat came up in a special election yesterday out in Long Island, and Democrats won that election. Now, our first temptation is to just start looking at the sky and crying, whoa, woe is me, what are we going to do? The guy that won it 
has been in Congress before, and he ran against a legal immigrant who really spoke well and has some great ideas, but there didn't seem to be sign-on to her campaign by the Republican National Committee. That troubles me. That really troubles me. But nevertheless, let's look at the bright side. This new member, a Democrat of the House of Representatives, only has till November, and then that seat comes up for election again. So why don't we, the people collectively, just rise up and put a true conservative in that seat come November? And you immediately, when I said that, you said, I can't vote in New York. No, you can't. But we can sure get in the line to help whoever is going to run for that seat. If it's the one that ran yesterday or somebody else, somebody that's a true conservative, we've got to get back on track. We've got to stop this quibbling that goes on every two years where people learn about politics, but they don't learn about how to win elections by portraying who they really are and what they really want to do for us. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us here today at TNN Live. No day is absent of very important things going on. Today is no different in that regard. We're going to check in with some of the lawmakers that you hear and see a lot, maybe in television news stories, but you're going to get some firsthand input today about some of the big things going on in our nation, in our government, that we all need to understand every part of, because in just a few months, we're going to be pulling levers all across the country to determine who's going to be in D.C. come January 25th, uh, 2025, when they get sworn in. You and I determine that. we got to make sure we're the ones that continue to determine that, and that there aren't people cheating. Oh, my God. There you go again, Newman. Election denier. I'm anything but that. I'm anything but a denier of facts. And there are facts that prove there were a lot of votes that were cast in 2020 that were illegal, period. You don't believe me? Give me some facts. Throw some evidence my way that says it wasn't. I've thrown tons of evidence your way that says there was cheating and fudging and irregularity, whatever you call it. People voted that weren't supposed to vote. Many of them weren't even in in the room anywhere. They're under the ground. Many live in other states, and still they tried to, and in many cases their votes were counted in their old state illegally. We've just got to readdress the facts in our lives and learn that facts live in a vacuum. They cannot be manipulated. They're true to what they are. Nobody, there's nobody, nobody that lives in the White House, lives in the U.S. Capitol, nobody has the right to put their finger on a single vote that a legal American cast. It's supposed to be in a vacuum. In the past, a lot of manipulation. That's got to stop. And while we're doing that, we probably have 
maybe one or two other things that we should get into and fix, right? Well, we're cranking it up here today. I want to thank you for joining us. Sit tight. We've got a big day for you, and I think you're going to enjoy it. sound changed with Mike in that deep throaty voice sitting at a keyboard. He's an amazing musician, but doobies were good even before Michael McDonald joined him. Well, I'm thankful you joined us here today and I must pause at the top of the show and share some news with you. Probably need a drum roll to talk about this. I don't have one handy, so I'll just launch right into it. It's Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Listen, guys, for those of you listening, you're obligated to do something special for your Valentine and give her or give him 
something memorable that will mark this day as being a really special day in your heart and in your mind for them. All of us need to do that at least one time a year. But for me, oh my gosh, I've got to double and triple down. Today is our anniversary. Marianne and I have been married 49 years as of today. 49 years. How in God's name does somebody live together with somebody for 49 years and there haven't been any calls to the cops to come break up a fight? (laughs) I think we may have come close a couple of times, but we never got that far down the road. Let me say this. I'm a very blessed man. I'm a very honored man. Marianne is one of the finest human beings I've ever met. If we battle about very much, I'm just going to be totally upfront with you. We do have issues sometimes. I think every couple does. We've just got to learn how to work through those and control them without throwing things and picking up handguns. <laughs> we've, we've been pretty good about doing that. But when we get into a tiff, it's usually because she is the most giving human being I know. She'll do pretty much anything for anybody. And sometimes she does too much, too often, and it gets out of hand when people take advantage of that. That's when I step in and I get hacked off. She doesn't like to say no to anybody but me. (laughs) I'm joking, I'm joking. She's a wonderful person. I can't even believe looking back 49 years ago we got married. Had a different wedding. We got married at the uh, dealer. I worked for a Ford Lincoln Mercury dealer in Ruston, Louisiana. We got married at his home. And this was back in the 70s, actually 1975. And uh, we had the Mercury Cougar. Remember they had Ford Motor Company, had those real live Cougars everywhere? Well, this dealer had a Cougar, a real live Cougar for a pet. The cougar's name was Merc. That's real original, isn't it? Mer- Mercury. <laughs> was Merc. And in the pictures of our wedding, I'm standing with Mary Ann, our best man and maid of honor, in front of the minister that performed the ceremony. And right next to me, sitting down next to my left knee, was Merc the cougar. And I've got my hand on Merc's head during the the wedding ceremony. So I guess it's kind of unique, one would say. But anyway, I want God to bless Marianne in even more gracious and wonderful ways than he has so far. She is a great Christian woman, the most amazing wife, mother, and nanny. And she works out at Evangel Christian Academy. She didn't have to go to work. But we had, at the time she went to work, we had four grandchildren at Evangel Christian Academy. And it's been her honor to work there because she sees those four grandkids every day. Well, it's not four. Right now it's down to three. Two of them are graduating this year. The twin granddaughters are graduating. And then we'll have only one left at Evangel. I'm just going to wait and see what she's going to do about working out at Evangel. 
He's a freshman, so, you know, she may want to hang around a few more years. But she's a great nanny, and that goes with it. We've got a wonderful family, thanks to her. Happy Valentine's Day, Marianne. And so, guys, if you wonder what we're doing for dinner or whatever to celebrate our Valentine's Day, we are going to Superior's Steakhouse tonight, a very special dinner there. And Marianne deserves that. She loves to cook. She cooks a lot. So it's good to, every once in a while, let somebody else do the cooking and just let her enjoy the eating. So, wherever you are, wherever your spouse is, if you're still together and your spouse is still alive, whatever it takes, bless them. Somehow, bless them. I just got corrected. (laughs) Guess who corrected me? I forgot about wit. (laughs) We have four grandchildren at Evangel Christian Academy. The twin granddaughters and Wit, who is Weston, who's the freshman, his older brother. Thank you, baby, for making sure I correct that stuff. When it comes to grandchildren, she's going to make sure every time Poppy's saying the right stuff. But anyway, your spouse, make them feel special today, somehow, some way. It doesn't matter how rough it's going in your relationship. You have an obligation to clear the air and do everything you can to keep the air clear. And no better way than to show them, not just say to them, but show them you really do love them. And baby, I love you beyond. Even though you're older than me. <laughs> I have to do that. We're only, let's see, March, April, May, June, July. We're only five months apart. She's five months older than I am. But I've got to rub it in for those five months, right? Happy Valentine's Day. So where are we going today on TNN Live? We're going to check in with, uh, as you probably heard, we had a a closed-door classified hearing yesterday with Mr. Bobbitt, Bobolinsky. You remember him? Former compadre management type person working with Hunter Biden. He's testified before, but he came back with some new stuff and it was behind closed doors. You're going to hear a lot about what was given to the members of Congress, the members of the House of Representatives, that committee behind closed doors. You're going to hear about that. We also have some other big news and um, there's a lot of legislation floating around out there that's pending. Some really important, some we need to dodge in any way possible to keep out of uh, being possibly signed into law by President Biden. We're going to get into that, but we're going to start at the top of it, and we're going to speak about our illegality at our southern border. We do this, we have to, almost every day because it changes every day. Of course, you know, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was impeached, only the second cabinet member in U.S. history to be impeached. Now, the House does that. Now, don't jump up and down and clap your hands because that's just the first part. If and when the House of Representatives does impeach somebody who's in federal office, then that all has to go across the hallway in the Capitol 
to the U.S. Senate. The Senate holds, if they choose to, a trial for that person that's been impeached. And it's just like any other trial. There are attorneys on both sides of the matter representing the one that's been impeached in the House and one representing the people. And sometimes they'll bring two, three, or four in to make cases. And if the Senate chooses to take up and actually conduct a trial of Alejandro Mayorkas, it will be conducted as a trial. There'll be a lot of testimony, evidence presented, a lot of pontificating. Why? Because it's politics. That's what they do best. And then they try to get each other to think the right way and make the right decision at the end of it to either remove that person from office, in other words, kick them to the curb, or just let them keep on trucking. Donald Trump was impeached twice. Twice. The Senate did not convict him either time. Why? There wasn't sufficient evidence to do so. That didn't matter to the Democrats, though. And, of course, they're out there screaming now because right now our president is in the bullseye of an impeachment process. Republicans are gathering together evidence that will prove things that they will and already have alleged, but they'll put it in evidentiary format and presented at a later date to the House to see if there's an impeachment process in there that the majority of the House members would support. But Democrats are already beating the drum because Mayorkas was impeached. And, of course, they're saying Republicans won't do anything. We can't get them to pass any of the bills regarding southern border stuff. They don't want to do the right thing. And, of course, to Republicans... What is the right thing in many cases, and in fact, most cases, what the Republicans say is the right thing, Democrats don't. In fact, they're usually 180 degrees opposite. In this case, that's exactly what's true. It's interesting. Every time the Democrats want to put together a large, very important bill, they hide it from everyone as long as they can. And this latest, this huge boondoggle that, thank God, it will not even see the light of day in the House of Representatives. We know that. But it was so full of things that they lied about. There was no border security included in that. In fact, it went further than we are today. It gave, at any particular moment, for any particular reason, one that might just pop up in the air. Maybe Joe Biden had a good breakfast and he decided, hey, I'm going to decide this about enforcing our southern border laws. I'm going to change everything. In that piece of legislation, he would have had the right to do just that. Oh, they tell us it was going to slow down illegal immigration. It was exactly opposite of that. Mayorkas and the president would have unilateral authority to do anything and everything they want to do at the southern border just by waving a magic wand. You'll hear in a little bit that there is a poison pill in that legislation. Not that particular southern border legislation, but the one that is pending now, the Senate passed for Ukraine aid. A poison pill. They didn't tell us about it. 
until after it saw the light of day, and then, bam, there it is. What's that poison pill? You're going to hear about it in just a little bit. Meanwhile, migrant encounters at our U.S.-Mexico border hit a new record for any January on the books. Border Patrol recorded more than 176,000 migrant encounters at the border in January alone. The previous high, the previous year, 157,000. In January, Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott's authorities, they seized control of that park along the border. You remember that? They erected additional razor wire in response to a Supreme Court ruling that said the federal government could cut the wire. The House is going to hold a vote next Tuesday for the second time. I'm sorry, they did yesterday for the second time against Alejandro Mayorkas. As a result of those seasonal trends down at the border, as well as enhanced enforcement efforts by the men and women of Border Patrol and some of our international partners, Southwest border encounters between ports of entry, the legal way, you know, ports of entry where they're supposed to come. Those drop by 50% in January. We continue to experience serious challenge along the border, which surpassed the capacity of our immigration system. CBP, Customs and Border Patrol, remains on the front line of preventing fentanyl and other dangerous drugs from entering our country, enforcing our nation's laws, and interdicting 34% more fentanyl and 68% more cocaine than the previous month. That's from Mr. Miller, Troy Miller, senior official performing the duties of the Commissioner of Customs and Border Patrol. So far in fiscal year 2024, Border Patrol has recorded more than three quarters of a million illegal migrant encounters in the region. This fiscal year, October, November, December, January, four months. All of that, by the way, in case you didn't know it, is against the law. Allowing it to happen is against multiple federal laws. And Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas are the orchestrators of that whole thing in direct contravention to the oaths of office they each took to support the United States Constitution and subsequent federal law. And they both turn their back on doing that very thing every day. Based upon the basis for impeachment in the U.S. Constitution. Don't you think we ought to base it on that? I would think that allowing six to eight, somewhere in there, million illegals cross our border, and when I say allow, they're not just allowing them, they're waving them across. They being the federal government, the Biden administration, waving them across, creating new and innovative ways for them to get status in the United States as quickly as possible so they can become voters. That's the end result, and they don't even try to hide that anymore. It's all illegal. Both of those two should have been impeached, tried in the Senate, and removed years ago. But it's politics. It's politics, and there are no Democrats that would ever agree with that. They don't care about people that die. They don't care about drug cartel deaths that are initiated by fentanyl coming through that border that they're allowing those drug mules to bring across. 100,000 each year Joe Biden's been in office. 
Young Americans, 100,000 killed by fentanyl that wouldn't be here if they didn't open the border. They don't care about that. 400,000 federal, excuse me, felony, 400,000 felony acts committed against Texas residents alone by illegals over a three-year period. Everything from first-degree murder, rape, you, you name it, they're doing it. They don't want to talk about that. That doesn't matter. It doesn't affect them. They're in Washington, D.C., long way from the southern border of Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and California from Washington, D.C., and they really don't care about that. If they did, would they do something about it? I would think so. Did you hear what happened in the markets yesterday? It was a horrible day, one of the worst in a while for the stock market. Major U.S. stock indexes finished the day with huge losses. Investors were reacting to real inflation data. How about that? The Biden folks didn't fiddle with this month's. The new inflation data casts doubt on any hopes of the Federal Reserve cutting interest rates in the near future. It's not going to happen. Dow Jones dropped 1.35% yesterday. That's down more than 500 points. The S&P 500 and NASDAQ dropped 1.37% and 1.80% respectively. This rapid drop follows a very disappointing consumer price index report released Tuesday morning showing that inflation decelerated to only 3.1% instead of the 2.9% that was expected. Now that 0.2% there, that may seem like that's minuscule, isn't it? It's not. When it comes to dollars and cents and you spread that dollars and cents thing across 330 million Americans, that's billions and billions of dollars. So this higher than expected inflation report, what does it do? Investors say, wait a minute, wait a minute. They may even raise some rates again. I'm going to get out of the market Quit rolling the dice there. I'm going to put my money and lock it up in a high-yield certificate of deposit. And I can get 5 6 7% in some cases on my CD that I don't have to worry about the stock market going up and down and up and down. The Dow Jones had its worst day since March of 23 due to the loss, according to the inflation rates. Yields on two-year Treasury bonds rose above 4.63%. 10-year yields increased to over 4.29%. Now, inflation has remained persistently above the Fed's target of 2% ever since peaking under Joe Biden at 9.1% in June of 2022. Nobody wants to talk about that. You hear the White House, oh, Inflation's down, inflation's down. No, it's down from where it went up to 9.1%, but it is nowhere near as low as it was when Donald Trump was president. What causes the difference, Dan? It's called flooding the markets with cash. Worse than that, flooding the markets with borrowed cash. Joe Biden he goes every day by the ATM and grabs another hundred billion or two.
to throw into the market, telling everybody, oh, we're going to pay for this. We're going to buy that. It's not we, the government. It's we, the taxpayers. And we don't have a chance to give our two cents to these things they're putting in place. The Fed told us in December they were going to be cutting the federal funds rate down to 4.6% by the end of 2024. That indicates possibly three interest rate cuts. Now they're telling us, doesn't look like we're going to be able to do that. So y'all just hold on and see what's going to happen. There's some interesting news that just slipped out yesterday. And I want to point something out. It didn't come from any U.S. news source. I've told you this multiple times. We hear, we monitor multiple overseas credible news outlets because often we get better, more accurate news about stuff in the United States than we get from our own news media in the United States. One of our go-to sites every day is Daily Mail. This popped out overnight. Federal government is going to start paying off people's rent in two states starting this year under a brand new $1.5 billion Medicaid pilot program. What's this all about? The Biden administration has granted permission to a couple of states to implement a brand new Medicaid waiver program. That program will allow states to pay for housing fees as part of the government's initiative to reclassify homelessness as a health care issue. Now that's kind of a far reach, don't you think? Homelessness is a health care issue. We're told this rental assistance is going to come in a couple of different forms, including a one-time payment to help cover a security deposit or to cover rent and utilities for up to six months. The first two states to roll it out this fall, Arizona and Oregon. It's going to target specific subpopulations of Medicaid beneficiaries, and they have to qualify under each state's specific guidelines, which includes people currently homeless are at risk of losing housing and people with mental illnesses. In Arizona, here's what theirs will. It'll allow and allocate $550 million of its Medicaid funding for the program. Two and a half million people are enrolled in the federal health care program. $550 million. That's half of the ticket. Where's the other half come from? You and me, federal government. We pony up and match the states in Medicare funding. Oregon's going to spend part of its $1 billion budget to combat homelessness with a couple of different initiatives, including the Rental Assistance Program. About 125,000 beneficiaries qualify for the program in Oregon. This waiver program has been approved as the U.S. homelessness crisis reaches an all-time high and rents skyrocket, leaving hundreds of thousands of Americans living on the streets. Advocates of this change, they argue that homelessness qualifies as a public health issue. Well, there's no science that says that, but, I mean, this is Democrat-controlled government, right? They don't need science to talk about medicine or anything. If there's a financial benefit, they can grab in it and give it to people to buy votes. 
by jingoes, they're going to do it. And this is one way to do just that. This change is being implemented through a program that permits states to experiment with new ways of utilizing Medicaid money. Prior to the change, congressional restrictions only allowed the funding to be used for nursing home or medical facility payments. But in recent years, states have been moving to use Medicaid money and broader public health measures, including housing assistance. You know what they didn't say? They didn't say, Congress, who controls where all the money, federal dollars are to be spent. They're the ones that said before, only funding for nursing home or medical facility payments. Do you think they went back to the House and the Senate and said, hey, we need to make a change in that, and they did it the right way? I'll bet you 100 bucks they did not. Latest data from October of 2023 reports about 80.3 million Americans are enrolled in the Medicaid program, 80 million. Arizona and Oregon will be piloting the initiative with a certain subset of folks on Medicaid beginning in October and November. Arizona has 14,200 unhoused residents. Oregon, 20,100 of those. Oregon, which has a total of a million and a half people on Medicaid, plans to use funding to assist beneficiaries at risk of becoming homeless in an effort to prevent homelessness. It could also help people suffering from a behavioral health crisis, those hospitalized with a long-term health condition, or pregnant women in need of resources. Assistance is going to include either one-time payment to help with a deposit, or it's going to cover rent and utilities for up to six months. Now, you know what? In my opinion, I have a big heart. Marianne and I have been for our entire 49 years being together. We're givers. We like to help take care of people that aren't as blessed as we are and do everything we can. And we do a lot of different things there. Those are choices that we Americans make. And that's not unique to the Newman family. I can tell you that. There are people out there that just go crazy giving money away, giving opportunities away. That's part of of being a citizen of the greatest country on the planet. We're thankful for that. Nobody had to do and make that happen for us. Laws were put in place so that when both of us were born, we were automatically citizens of the United States. Our parents were, so we were, and we were both born here. So what does that mean? What are you trying to say, Dan? We need to all be willing to give back. So I just gave you those numbers for those two states. Let me go back up here and see what it was. It's going to cost each state different amounts, obviously, because each state, Oregon, and uh, they have different numbers of people that are involved in this. Okay. Latest data shows approximately 80.3 million Americans are enrolled in the program. Arizona has 14,200. Oregon has 20,100. That doesn't sound like a lot of people when you line it up against 330 plus million Americans, right? So don't you think somebody like the Zuckerbergs is an example. They spent more than a billion dollars themselves trying to fix the 2020 election. 
did it surreptitiously. They got caught doing it, and they almost lost their not-for-profit status, and they made it very clear, we're not going to get involved in any election stuff going forward. Wouldn't it be nice for the Zuckerbergs to take that same amount of money they were going to use to try to buy votes again and just put it in play so that the American taxpayers, most of who can't do what the Zuckerbergs can do, and others just like them. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not judging people. I'm just saying when you have the ability to help people, really help people, you should help people. And even if you don't have a billion dollars to spend, but you have something that you could do, why not invest it in fellow Americans and find ways where you can help out? That would be returning to our former greatness, don't you think? That's the way our nation was founded. They were a collective when they came over here. They were all involved with each other. They had to be so that they could make it and make it work through the decades and even centuries. We've slipped away from those kind of values. Now it's no longer, let's do what's best for everybody. Make sure everybody gets their share of the good things that are happening. And now it's like, I'm going to go get mine. You do what you can to get yours, and I hope you're successful. We'll meet for coffee someday. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all natural, juicy, grass fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food, with no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. Uh-oh, guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is? Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 what day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. Woo-hoo! Ronnie, how happy are folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico? I'd say happier than a camel on Wednesday. Hump day! Get happy. Yeah. Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? Have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French, Spanish, or Russian, but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming? Then go to Babbel.com and try it for free. Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. 
It starts by teaching you words and phrases. Then, sentences gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversations about real-life topics. Babbel is created by language experts who use the space repetition method to help you learn quickly and remember what you learned. With Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Well, 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 guess what? Just got a note from Steve Baker. Steve Baker, who left here in Louisiana and went to his place of employment at Blaze Television, Blaze Media, over in Irving, Texas. We just call it Dallas-Fort Worth. But he told us yesterday, something big's about to come out. And he asked me to read this to you. This went live early this morning at Blaze TV. I'm going to quote. I'm going to read you the article just as Steve wrote it. Among the most enduring unsolved mysteries surrounding the events at the U.S. Capitol January 6th of 2021 are the pipe bombs planted outside the offices of the Republican and Democratic National Committees. In January, Blaze News revealed that the individual who discovered the device outside the DNC offices and they described by the FBI as a passerby, was, in fact, a plainclothes U.S. Capitol Police officer. Now, after reviewing hours of closed-circuit TV video footage, Blaze News can report that two of the three U.S. Capitol Police surveillance cameras pointed at the DNC office building were redirected away from the scene shortly after the device was discovered. As part of our investigation, this is Steve talking, I requested and received access to this footage from Representative Barry Loudermilk, Republican of Georgia, and his staff. That phone call to Congressman Loudermilk, it happened when Steve was here a week and a half ago in TNN Live studio. He called him while he was sitting here. Blaze News will reveal more information soon about what the entirety of the video reveals. The DNC pipe bomb case is of special interest. Why? Because Kamala Harris was in the building when the device was discovered. Now remember, she was going to the Capitol. Remember? Harris, now vice president, was a U.S. senator from California at the time. And she was vice president-elect, and she was under Secret Service protection at the time. More than three years later, federal investigators have not uncovered the origin of the alleged bite bombs. The FBI has not identified a suspect in either the RNC or DNC pipe bomb incidents, and a $500,000 reward remains in effect for information leading to the arrest of the would-be bomber. In the videos, listen to this now. Secret Service agents and officers from the D.C. Metro Police and U.S. Capitol Police Departments, they appear unusually lackadaisical under the circumstances. Now, what does that mean? 
This is the Danism I'm giving you now. I've seen the videos. They walk over, lean into a car, shooting the breeze with somebody in a car after supposedly finding this bomb, pipe bomb. Back to this, back to Steve's story in the blaze. A few hours after the Blaze News exclusive appeared, Darren Beatty of Revolver News published his own story about the DNC pipe bomb. His compelling analysis was based largely on a seven-minute video posted on YouTube six months earlier by Representative Thomas Massey, Republican from Kentucky. Those two stories generated a firestorm of media questions and speculation about how passively Secret Service agents responded to the bomb's discovery by the U.S. Capitol Police officer. With Harris inside the DNC offices, why did those Secret Service agents and Metropolitan Police Department officers finish their lunch before getting out of their SUV? Why did they allow school children to pass within feet of a suspected bomb instead of cordoning off the area immediately? Why did the Secret Service wait more than 10 minutes before evacuating Harris from the building? More importantly, why has the public been allowed to see only seven minutes of video of what might be the most critical incident on January 6, 2021, given that the vice president-elect was feet, just feet away from an alleged explosive device? This includes previously unseen images of the complete response by the attending agencies from multiple camera angles, the on-scene investigation, and ultimately the bomb squad's detonation of what the FBI continues to insist was a viable device capable of causing severe injury or death. Now I'm kind of trapped here. You're going to love this. I'm reading this off the Blaze website, (laughs) and uh, I'm a subscriber, as I am to a lot of them, and it stopped me, and it's asking for my login. Oh, my gosh. Here is your new login link. I can't believe it's doing this to me, but I'm here. Let me go back down to this part of the story. Da, 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 da. Here we go. In a recent appearance on Blaze TV's Pat Gray Unleashed, Congressman Massey said the seven-minute pipe bomb video is some of the only J6 video that's actually made it out, contrary to a bunch of promises. It was like pulling teeth to get the first seven minutes of the discovery of this bomb, Massey said. I do think we should release the video of the attempted detonation of the bomb. So, although... House Speaker Mike Johnson has said he has the last word on the release of all video footage from January 6th. Multiple congressional and Capitol Police sources confirmed to Blaze News that the Capitol Police Board has prevented the DNC pipe bomb footage and other essential videos from coming out until now. The three-member board at the Capitol Police, who comprises that board, House Sergeant-at-Arms, William McFarlane, Senate Sergeant-at-Arms, Karen Gibson, and Acting Capital Architect, Cherie Rex, wrote, Until all the January 6th video is released to the public, 
A host of media companies and independent journalists will continue to review the video trove, and they do that in a viewing room at a congressional office building in Washington. This includes the Epic Times, Revolver News, and Declassified with Julie Kelly. Releasing this footage would help shed additional light on how the Secret Service and the police responded to the threat, how the Metropolitan Police Department bomb squad handled the device, and whether the alleged pipe bomb was in fact as dangerous as the FBI characterized it. A former FBI agent disputes that claim. After the first pipe bomb was discovered near the Republican National Committee headquarters on 1st Street, Capitol Police officers and bomb squad reportedly handled the scene by the book, immediately cordoning off the area to establish a safe perimeter. Those same protocols were not initiated promptly by the Secret Service and other agencies at the scene of the DNC bomb site. So one of them, they acted like it's the real deal. The other one they said was a real deal, and it doesn't seem to be the real deal so much. Apart from pedestrians continue to walk past the scene, mere feet away from the bomb, a train trestle is located some 50 feet from where the bomb was discovered. Those trains continue to pass by every few minutes. No one with any agency seemed concerned at all about the bomb to halt the train service along those tracks. From discussions with several current and former agents and police officers with experience responding to bombs and suspicious packages, Blaze News has learned this was an egregious violation of capital-established protocols. A review of U.S. Capitol Police radio transmissions, that's part of what Steve is doing. He's tying everything together based upon live Camera shots, I'm talking about video camera shots that are date and time stamped and coordinating the events of the day as they have been revealed in multiple of those Capitol Police testimonies in trials of the J6 offenders, many of who are in jail today because these Capitol Police under oath lied about the details. That's been proven to be factual. A review of the radio transmissions from the Capitol Police confirms the DNC bomb was reported to the Capitol Police Command Center just after 1.07 p.m. Less than four minutes after the plainclothes cop, that's Capitol Police cop, notified Secret Service of the bomb, camera number 3173, the same camera from which Massey released the seven-minute video, it began to pan and zoom in on the position of the device. This is a clear indication that the Capitol Police Command Center had been notified of the bomb's existence and someone took control of the camera. Why would they do that? Blaze News reviewed and confirmed that camera 3173 had remained in a fixed position, pointed at the DNC parking garage entrance all the way back to at least December 28th of 2020 before its remote control pan and zoom operation began at 109 
and 4 seconds p.m. on January 6th. It never changed until January 6th. Camera 3173 was the most crucial camera focused on the scene, having the closest and clearest view of law enforcement's response, investigation, and ultimate detonation of the bomb by a Metropolitan Police Department squad robot. Inexplicably, just after 1.40 p.m., camera 3173 was quietly and remotely directed away from the scene at roughly a 90-degree angle, remained in that newly fixed position for the rest of the day, at least until midnight. But Joe Hanneman, an investigative reporter with the Epoch Times, discovered a second camera with a bird's-eye view of the scene before the bomb squad's attempted detonation of the device. Once again, at 1.44 p.m., that camera was also deliberately turned away from the investigation scene, panning south and left, zoomed in on railroad tracks and a highway overpass. This position, looking away from the bomb scene, is where it remained until well after the incident's investigation and the bomb's destruction. Both cameras had been turned away from the investigative scene before 1.45 p.m., We have embedded this never-before-seen footage from both cameras into this article below. I am looking at it. I've seen the film already, but I'm looking at it. Incidentally, if you're not a member of Blaze, you need to do it. You need to join it. www.theblaze.com www.theblaze.com And for those of you that are regulars here... If you don't want to join Blaze Media, I want you to see this video. When this show is over, I will post it on its own page. Blaze Media Capitol Police video footage. It'll be its own article. It'll be right in the middle, and I'll put it there. And the title of it is Never-Before-Seen Footage of January 6th Pipe Bomb. Senior sources within the Capitol Police ranks, with intimate knowledge of their command center's layout and operations, have informed Blaze News the cameras would only have been directed away from such a critical investigation on the orders of command-level officials. Now, who might that be? On the afternoon of January 6th, the only senior commanders there who could have given an order in the command center are known as the PIT, were Chief Stephen Sund, S-U-N-D, Sean Gallagher, who was acting chief of uniformed operations, and Yoganda Pittman, assistant chief of police for protective and intelligence operations. Pittman, at the time, also oversaw the Capitol Security Service Bureau, which is the division of the Capitol Police that controls the Capitol CCTV cameras. Sund who resigned the day after January 6th, recounted the day's events in his 2023 memoir, Courage Under Fire. Twice in the book, he states, he was not notified of the DNC pipe bomb until 1.49 p.m., 44 minutes after it was discovered, four minutes after the two most critical cameras were directed away from the investigation scene. 
sunned in both his book and his congressional testimonies, has said he was busy seeking assistance from the National Guard and other law enforcement agencies to help defend the Capitol, which may explain why he was unaware of the bomb until later. Still, it's unclear why he wasn't informed of the pipe bomb discovery right away. Steve Baker, this is his story. He wrote it. In mid-November, in mid-November, listen to me. In mid-December, Steve said, I received a tip from a senior congressional aide to pay particular attention to the footage from cameras that were directed at the DNC headquarters before, during, and after the discovery of the pipe bomb on the afternoon of January 6th. Fortunately for those of us investigating the DNC bomb scene, someone in the Capitol Police Command Center apparently forgot about the directional position of that third camera, which provided an overhead view of the bomb squad's effort to destroy the pipe bomb. Blaze News has requested this footage, and as we receive it, we will release it to the public. Just so you know this, this is off the story, but this is a piece that I know is factual. Congressman Loudermilk, who is head of that committee, is making it. He's gone to the mat to make that video available to the public. It will go to Blaze Media and Steve Baker first. It will be here at TNNLiveTruthNewsNet.org second. And it won't be a long time from now. It will be in the next few days. Just stay close. Steve said the video, which I watched six weeks ago, shows that just after 2 p.m. on the far left edge of that camera's frame, a Metropolitan Police Department bomb squad robot began moving along the sidewalk to retrieve the pipe bomb. After picking up the bomb, the robot clumsily moved the device and deposited it against the street curb rather than into a bomb blast containment bin. Wow, I wonder why they did that. <laughs> it wasn't a bomb. Moments later, the device can be seen breaking apart. Without absolute certainty, experts with knowledge of bomb disposal technologies explained to Blaze News the robot most likely hit the device with a bomb disposal water disruptor. It's a type of a water cannon. Department of Homeland Security explains the water disruptor breaks apart IEDs by targeting a stream of high-velocity liquid like water. It does not detonate the device, but rather disarms it from a distance. So when the bomb squad robot deployed the disruptor, there was no explosion. The pipe bomb disintegrated into just pieces. Minutes later, one bomb squad officer in a protective suit can be seen entering the far left edge of the camera's aspect to investigate the destroyed pipe bomb's remnants. According to a report by the Washington Times, former FBI Special Agent Kyle Serafin explained that during his investigation, he discovered that both pipe bomb devices were inoperable and presented no threat. Remember, this is despite the FBI's continued public assertion the devices were viable. They were active explosive devices. In an exclusive interview with Blaze News with Steve Baker, 
Serafin elaborated that the Bureau is telling the public one story, its agents another. The FBI has spent a significant amount of time telling the the public that we had, quote-unquote, viable devices when they were briefing the surveillance team that was following a person of interest that these were not potentially explosive devices that were a danger to the federal agents who were following him. Serafin told Blaze News that other members of his team corroborated the same information that had been given to the investigating agents. It's an officer safety issue. The way that you handle a potential bomb is different than a subject who was known to drop inoperable bombs, Serafin said. You're going to work a case differently if they're not real. You can get closer. That was part of the very basic operational order of how you do the job, which is something I did every day for thousands of hours a year. Serafin also rebutted the June 7, 2023 testimony of FBI Assistant Director in Charge Stephen D'Antono, who told the House Judiciary Committee, people like Kyle Serafin and others that are not a case agent have no knowledge of the case, have no knowledge of what happened in the case. Serafin said, that's objectively false. It's referred to as a case brief. And it is the standard for anybody who's doing surveillance and is serious about working as an asset to the case agent. Our eyes are tuned to what the case agent is looking for. Steve D'Antono is completely wrong, Serafin added. He obviously never worked on that surveillance unit. He was too busy being a manager and not working cases. It's illogical on every level that D'Antono didn't know what was happening in that case, Serafin explained. Either he was being briefed on it better than we were, or he's a liar. He's either incompetent or he's deliberately being obtuse in front of Congress. As for why the Secret Service and Metropolitan Police officers were slow to act, Serafin attributed their reaction to stress and training. When people experience a moment of high stress, generally speaking, they have what is called a sympathetic nervous response, which I know as a paramedic and from my time in the military. They have three possible outcomes, fight, flight, or freeze. The single most common is freeze, he said. What we saw from that police officer looked more like a training scenario, and when the scenario happens, you take it kind of at a slow speed. They approach things at an overly casual rate because they know it's not real. This may well explain the Secret Service, Metropolitan Police, and Capitol Police casual behavior and their failure to immediately establish a safe perimeter and implement other known protocols after learning of the pipe bomb's discovery. But, Seraphin added, the seemingly casual response didn't make sense when you have a high-value protectee inside the building, like the vice president-to-be, Kamala Harris. Those are questions that still need to be answered, he said. Serafin explained that only two possible explanations exist for those two cameras being ordered away from an active investigation. When you have a sensitive technique that's about to be executed using newer classified technologies, and the second possibility is nefarious. Given that the bomb disposal water disruptor technology is wisely known and widely known and taught, 
as well as explicitly described on the Department of Homeland Security's website, the first possibility appears unlikely. That leaves number two. Any obstruction from Congress or law enforcement agencies in releasing the video of the DNC pipe bomb's destruction raises further questions. There's no upside to not characterizing a scene, even if it's just for training value later, Seraphin added. There's no good reason that you'd not want to see video cameras that you control logging what happened. If the disarmament technique is not classified, then you're losing something that is documenting information and timeliness and timelines. The upside of having footage of your crime scene vastly outweighs the sensitivity of a well-known technique, he added. And the last sentence in this story, Blaze News will be publishing more analysis and releasing more footage as it is received from Congress. Interesting, huh? Very interesting. It boils down to this. They planted this fake bomb. Was it Capitol Police? Was it Secret Service? We don't know. But they weren't bombs. They didn't explode. And they walked around them like there was no chance there was going to be anything bad that would happen. So how do you, how do you analyze this, Dan? What do you say? What do you do? Look, you've got to find a way to rec- reconcile in your own mind the things that we hear, especially about things regarding our government and the way it operates, especially in situations that are a little bit strange, out of the norm. And I think January 6th and everything that happened that day would fall into that class, into that category. You want my two cents about it? Seriously, you want my two cents? I'll give it to you. I have no doubt, no doubt whatsoever, that every event that happened on January 6th was planned was coordinated, and multiple people signed on to that for one purpose, and that was to denigrate conservatives, people that were there that day, most of who went there just to see what was going to happen as our government changed hands from one administration to another, and they wanted to make sure that it was being handled the right way and there was no funny stuff going on. But that wasn't the purpose for doing this and building this entire coordinated operation. It was to try to keep any conservative in the future from ever thinking they had a chance to win control of the government and the control that they would be given would come from the people not from people already in government that had somehow been endowed to have the exclusive right to run the nation's government with no input from anyone other than their leftist peers. The January 6th committee that 
Nancy Pelosi put together. It wasn't a committee. There was no investigation. It was a televised documentary that wasn't documented with facts. The person that pops up in the middle of every bit of this is Nancy Pelosi. Nothing happened on the Capitol grounds. Nothing happened on the Capitol grounds when she was House Speaker that she not only knew about, she had either orchestrated it personally or she signed off on it and allowed it to happen. Lie after lie after lie. So what can we do? What What is the end that you look for in this? All I can say, hang in there until you get all the facts. Don't draw your opinions unless you have evidence to draw them. And so for me, I'm, I'm probably, and there's no question, I'm deeper into this than many of you are. Not all of you, but many of you are. Steve may even be listening this morning from uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. I don't know. But he's in it like nobody. Congressman Massey said on a nationally televised nighttime news show last week, he made this statement. He said, the FBI doesn't know nearly as much as Steve Baker knows about everything to do with the January 6th stuff. This is a congressman who's in this. He's been doing some of the same stuff, he and his staff, that Steve Baker's been doing. And Steve knows more than anybody else. That should scare us, but it should also make us feel at least better because somebody who's one of us is digging, has found, and is still finding facts that prove this government, the one that is in office today, and their minions orchestrated this chaos on January 6th. And it's to try to do one thing, keep Donald Trump from ever getting back in office again. And to make sure that every true conservative knows that if you step on the wrong toes, you're going to prison and they are willing to throw away the key. And today there are hundreds of people in prison over January 6th, and the number one bad thing they did was go inside the Capitol. Does that sound like the United States of America? Does it sound like it's our country? No. And they don't think it it is our country. In fact, they know for certain, for a fact, the government belongs to them. And we better just sit down and shut up. This is your home. This is your family room, slash gym, the guest bedroom, slash music studio, the day bed, slash dog bed, the living room, slash yoga shanti, slash regional office, How did you guys do it? slash classroom. And this is the basement, slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home, slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. 
This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G Ultra Wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G Nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? You love chocolate. Chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. I told you that video will be on a separate page at truthnewsnet.org right after this show is is over. I want to put that entire story. I'll put the whole story out there for you. And the title of the story, let me make sure I get it right for you. Da, 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 da. Capitol Police diverted all CCTV cameras away from DNC bite bomb investigation except one. So it will be up there probably 15, 20 minutes after we sign off the air at 11 a.m. Central Time. I want you to get the whole banana. And by the way, when you get it, you've got permission to share it however you want to do it. If you want to copy and paste it and put it on your social media sites, feel free to do it. Whatever you need to do to get as many people in your circle as possible to know what's going on. By the way, in case you didn't know this, Mike Johnson, House Speaker, he says he is not going to put that $95 billion Israel and Ukraine aid bill on the floor. Democrats are vowing to use, quote, all options they have to try and force a vote on this massive plan. It passed yesterday morning. It includes funding for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. Immigration provisions stripped out entirely happened after conservatives insisted they did not go far enough to secure the southern border. And even those Republicans that voted with the Democrats, they've got to reconcile this one thing. They obviously feel that Ukraine's border is more important to the United States than is our southern border to American people. That's the only way they could reconcile giving away all this money to Ukraine, by the way, with no auditing provisions included. And we already know a minimum of $40 million of what we'd already give Ukraine was stolen by someone in their government, and we even know where the money is, and it can't be retrieved. All this stuff has rankled Mike Johnson and other GOP hardliners in the House. 
The leader said he doesn't plan on bringing the measure to the floor for a vote. I certainly don't plan on it, he said. Right now, we're dealing with the appropriations process. We have immediate deadlines upon us, and that's where the attention is in the House in this moment. So without his approval, there is now talk of forcing the deal to the floor. And there is such a vehicle out there that's been tried in the past, but it's been a long time. It's arcane. It's called a discharge petition. That would require 218 members to sign on to a demand to force this or any other piece of legislation to the floor. All options are on the table. We're going to use every available legislative tool. That's from Democrat leader Hakeem Jeffries. There are more than 300 bipartisan votes to pass the foreign aid bill, he claimed. No evidence to justify that. He's blowing smoke up somebody's skirt. 300? I don't think so. It passed the Senate, by the way, in a 70 to 29 vote. Had some Republicans jump ships and support it. In total, this package includes 61 billion more dollars for Ukraine, 14 billion for Israel in its war against Hamas, 4.83 billion to support partners in the Indo-Pacific, including Taiwan, to deter aggression by China. But there's another little bit of cash that's in there. $9.15 billion. What is that for? Humanitarian assistance to civilians in Gaza and the West Bank, in Ukraine, and other conflict zones around the globe. In other words, that's a blank check on a piggy bank that the Biden administration can spend all or parts of $9.15 billion to whoever they want to give it to. I'm not lying. Conservative hardliner Rep. Warren Davidson of Ohio, a Republican, he said the Speaker would face a motion to vacate him from the Speakership if he puts the deal on the floor. He would need Democrats to hold on to the gavel at that point, Davidson was talking to CNN, adding... Right-wing warnings are not an empty threat. Of course, Biden tried to boo-hoo all the Republicans that let it go to the floor. Mike's not going to let it go to the floor. If it goes, it would have to happen through that petition that we just told you about. He's not going to let it happen. In fact, he said it's dead. He's repeated that again and again and again. Well, Supreme Court news, still out there, keeps coming every few days now. They're telling special counsel Jack Smith he's got to respond within a week to Trump's request for an emergency stay that will keep his January 6th trial from moving forward so his lawyers can argue that he is immune from prosecution as being the president at the time. The timetable will keep the case moving forward, although the former president and his legal team with the little assist from judges, can still find ways to try to push the trial back as the political calendar is getting up to ramp speed now. Trump on Monday filed an emergency motion asking the Supreme Court justices to put a hold on his election interference case that had been set to begin in March. That timetable now appears shot. 
but Trump could still go on trial before the elections in November, depending in part on what the high court decides to do. Trump wants to keep the trial frozen while he seeks an on-bank review by the entire U.S. Court of Appeals. Smith has six days now for a response in a recent affirmative action case. I'm sorry, Smith has till the 20th, six days to respond about to this motion that Trump filed to delay his trial. It's, it's not even ironic anymore. It's nauseating that this kind of stuff is happening. Let me give you another little quick little tidbit of news that'll nauseate you. It turned up yesterday. Former President Barack Obama, he and his fellow CIA leadership team asked foreign intelligence agencies to illegally spy on Trump and Trump associates during Donald Trump's tenure as president. Listen to this. Let's bring in Fox News contributor Joe Concha. Joe, you're the media guy. When Trump said this was happening, the media attacked him mercilessly. They did, uh, saying that he was just throwing out conspiracy theories, Todd Carley. And as a result, uh, we should not take anything he's saying seriously. Uh, Let's be clear first, as Lucas uh, just said, this report has not been confirmed by any major news outlets, including the New York Post and Fox News. But for the sake of conversation, it wouldn't be surprising if this did happen. And the reporters here, Matt Taibbi, Michael Schellenberger, they are as solid as they come. Uh, The CIA director at the time was John Brennan. He has shown himself to be completely and totally partisan and completely anti-Trump. He currently serves as an MSNBC analyst, and his sole job is to bash Trump at every turn. So when you listen to John Brennan on TV now, and you see this reporting and the reporters that are behind it, Again, it's not hard to believe that Barack Obama and therefore his CIA would spy on Donald Trump in an attempt to stop him from becoming president and after he became president to make his job as difficult as possible, guys. Don't take Concha's words for it. Here's what John Brennan himself said on cable news back in 2018. Donald Trump has badly sullied the reputation of the office of the presidency. He is, I think, the most divisive president we've ever had in the Oval Office. He is feeding and fueling uh, hatred and animosity and misunderstandings among Americans. I and so many other former national security uh, officials are speaking out because of the uh, abnormal and aberrant uh, behavior uh, of uh, Mr. Trump. This is a very large and painful national kidney stone. (laughs) The relief we feel afterward is going to be just (laughs) exhilarating. Before the 2016 election and during the lead up to the 2020 Mm. election, as you saw right there, John Brennan, one of Obama's Intel Department heads, targeted a presidential campaign run by Donald J. Trump. Two campaigns, I might add. How is that not textbook election interference, Joe? It completely is. And it's amazing that it took independent journalists like Taibbi and Schellenberger to dig into this because the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, they would never go near this. And look, 
Think about, Todd, all of the former national security, national intelligence officials who have gone from doing their jobs when they're supposed to be apolitical to going on TV to talk about Donald Trump and how horrible he is for democracy. We, we, we just saw Clapper. Uh, we also saw, uh, I'm sorry, James Clapper, I should mention. Uh, he was just on screen uh, with John Brennan. John Brennan, of course, MSNBC, James Clapper, uh, CNN, uh, Andy McCabe, number two, uh, be under uh, Clapper. I'm sorry, who was he under uh, as far as, oh, that's right, James Comey. Uh, he also uh, has written two books, had a Showtime series to go against Donald Trump. I, I could go on and on in terms of all the national intelligence officials who are now doing jobs like I do in terms of analyzing things on television, and they're supposed to be apolitical. After they leave office, after they leave their jobs, they should be doing other things besides going on television and sounding like Keith Oberman or Rachel Maddow, but that's exactly what we've seen. Uh, so that, that that should tell you something as far as our intelligence agencies, not the people on the ground doing the real work, but the people at the top, they've all become vastly political, and, and the American people seem to know that at this point. And it's good to see the media industrial complex holding all the individuals you mentioned to account for their uh, complete falsity and, you know, undemocratic acts. I just want to add one more thing on this. There is yeah. this alleged 10-inch binder that Schellenberger referenced that has all the info gathered in the surveillance, but its whereabouts are unknown. I think it's going to have the same fate as the Supreme Court leaker, whoever placed the cocaine in the White House. But I digress. We will see. <laughs> uh, meantime, Joe Biden delivering yeah. a White House address to attack Trump, but didn't want to take any questions. Watch. Before we begin, I'm going to make this statement, let it stand on its own. I'm not going to take any questions, but I'll be taking questions tomorrow and the next day. But I don't want anything to get in the way of the statement. I promise I'll come back and answer questions later. Thank you. Sir, how did Trump say that, sir? What did Putin do? What's plan B if the speaker doesn't act? Sir, the Joe, will Joe answer any more questions between now and November after, quite frankly, what was a train wreck last week? Todd, did you see his schedule yesterday? There was literally nothing on it outside of lunch with Kamala Harris. So he had nowhere to go. There was no pressing issue where he had to leave and not take questions. This president, I'll say it again, is an absolute coward because he should be telling his advisors, no, I want to answer questions. I want to show that I have the mental acuity to do this job. And instead, he just stutters off and, and, and wanders off uh, after uh, making a statement uh, when he had nowhere to go. I mean, this is as surprising as the sun rising in the east and birds flying south for the winter. Uh, this is a president who's like a remote control car, completely controlled and driven by others in terms of when and when he cannot speak to reporters and therefore the American people. He had three solo press conferences in 2023. Donald Trump had 35 in his final year in office. So to answer your question, will he take any questions between now and November? Uh, we'll see him in East Palestine, Ohio, where he promised to go. Remember that two weeks ago? I'm going to East <laughs> Palestine. Still that waiting. never happened, did it, right? It's the same thing. Never take yeah. anything this president says seriously. Always judge him by his actions. Todd. His handlers had him primed from the moment he stepped to that podium. No questions was the first thing he said, so yep. we couldn't mess that up. Joe Concha, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Do you think there was anything coordinated going on? You just heard John Brennan, who is without a doubt, in my, my mind, the most vile most corrupt human being that has been in the federal government since I've been alive. He had James Clapper. All of these people were part of that intelligence community mafia 
that were quietly, at least for a long time, but now they've just come white out, don't even try to hide it anymore, trying to put people who are conservatives in a box that they could someday figure out a way to just totally eliminate, or at least eliminate conservatives from being able to speak their minds. And Barack Obama hired all those people, and he asked John Brennan to start spying on conservatives, Trump supporters, do it without other agencies in the United States knowing about it. How evil is that? Today, I hate to even say this, but none of us should even be shocked to hear about stuff like this happening at the hands of very powerful people that supposedly were elected to do the bidding of the American people that elected them at every position from the presidency on down. It's not so today, folks. That's not what's driving the boat for these hardcore leftists. It's about creating a government that they control that will control everybody in the United States. Don't question that. Always get the truth on TNN, the Truth News Network. Find it exclusively at truthnewsnet.org. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive, yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an Infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. Election cycles come and go. White House reporters come and go. The truth is a diamond because it's forever. TNN, the Truth News Network. Your jeweler today is Dan Newman. Yep, that's me. I'm handing it out. (laughs) I'm handing it out. Let me tell you what I just handed out moments ago during that break. The full story about the January 6th, those so-called pipe bombs that weren't bombs at all, but we've been told every day since then were pipe bombs. They were going to kill people purposely planted at the RNC and the DNC headquarters in Washington. That's fake. That was put together, orchestrated by somebody in the Capitol Police or maybe even from the administration that was coming into office. That would be the Biden administration. The story's now live on the front page of www.truthnewsnet.org. You can go grab it, and down in the middle of the page is that video, the video that we talked about extensively in the story that we read to you, penned by Steve Baker, our very own Steve Baker, published at Glenn Beck's Blaze 
Network. What else is happening, Dan? We're down to 25 minutes in the show. We've got so much more to cover. I guess you heard, you already knew who he was, Tony Bobolinsky. Yesterday, closed-door session in Congress, he says, now, who is Tony? Let me go back and tell those of you that may not remember. He was one of Hunter Biden's big-shot partners in the early going. He was the one that was the CEO of a couple of those different companies that Hunter Biden put together, and he put it together when he started getting all of these overseas money streams coming to him and his various entities. Bobolinsky, he didn't like the way it happened. He left that whole operation, and he has a lot to say about what actually went on. He's testified once before. He's been on several different talk shows through the years, but he went back to Congress and he told us this. Bob Alinsky used to do business with Hunter Biden before he blew the whistle on what he has alleged to be a massive influence peddling scheme that included Joe Biden. He made the remarks during his opening statement and testimony delivered to the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability in D.C. Bobolinsky alleged that Joe Biden enabled, his word, enabled a lucrative business arrangement involving his son and a major Chinese Communist Party-tied energy firm, and that Joe Biden's immediate family members were enriched to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. They're now saying it's about $40 million. And that was made, that $40 million made from conducting business with shady counterparts, including some based in adversarial nations during and after Joe Biden's tenure as vice president. The Chinese Communist Party, through its surrogate, this company is called China Energy Company Limited, or CEFC, and it's very closely tied to the Communist Chinese Party-linked energy conglomerate successfully sought to infiltrate infiltrate and compromise Joe Biden and the Obama-Biden White House. Bobolinsky said, I want to be crystal clear from my direct personal experience and what I have subsequently come to learn, it is clear to me that Joe Biden was the brand that was being sold by members of the Biden family. Joe Biden was more than a participant in and beneficiary of his family business. He was an enabler, despite being buffered by a complex scheme to maintain plausible deniability. So after Hunter sent a threatening WhatsApp message in which he invoked his father's power to a CEFC associate back in July of 2017, a firm connected to CEFC, which has since ceased to exist, wired $5 million to a company linked to Hunter in August of 2017. Hunter has asserted that Joe Biden was not ever financially involved in his business dealings. Now, the Biden's involvement with CFC, it started as early as 2016 when Joe was still serving the Obama administration as vice president. Rob Walker, another former business of Hunter's, said that in January's 26 testimony to the same committee. Joe Biden stopped by a luncheon at Washington Hotel attended by Hunter, Walker, and a bunch of CEFC businessmen sometimes in early 2017. That was shortly before a Shanghai-based company connected to CEFC paid Walker's LLC a paltry 
$3 million. Walker testified to that. He described Biden's appearance at the luncheon as innocuous and the fact that a firm link to CFC made the payment afterwards, it was just a coincidence. Joe Biden was aware of the CEFC transaction, enabled it, and had a constitutional responsibility and obligation to the American people to shut it down before it began. That's what Bobulinski said yesterday. Walker's LLC subsequently paid about a million dollars of that $3 million, paid it to Hunter Biden, James Biden, and Hallie Biden, That was in testimony that came from Walker on January 26. That calls into question Joe Biden's claims on the campaign trail that he never discussed Hunter Biden's business dealings with him. And that's just one of the bits and pieces that are going to keep on coming out. More coming out of that conversation yesterday. According to the DOJ, Hunter took, quote, multiple photographs of his alleged drug use in November and December of 2018. That news comes as Hunter was charged with lying about his drug use on a federal form. Now, when you you fill out that federal form, when you want to legally purchase a gun, there's a question on the form that, remember, it's a federal form. It goes to the alcohol, tobacco, uh, ATF. And they have to clear somebody before they can legally buy that gun. And one of the questions of, are you or have you taken illegal drugs? And on that farm, Hunter said, nope. That's a lie. It's lying on a federal form. And doing so, especially to get the okay to buy a gun, is a felony. Those pictures the DOJ was talking about, they showed those images in court to prove that Hunter was addicted to drugs while he answered no to that drug use question. Sarah Witten is a breaking news writer for Fox News Digital, and she reported this, was the first one to bring it up, and now it's coming back around. You know, you're probably just like me. I'm tired of all these Joe Biden family, Biden family syndicate stories and cutting right down to the chase. Oh, no. I wasn't there. There, he was talking about sitting at a boardroom. I wasn't there. I was on the phone, but I wasn't there. That kind of stuff drives me crazy. What's the gist of what we're talking about? What's important about it? Can we just get to that? This weaponization of Joe Biden's Department of Justice, every agency that's within it, weaponization against the American people, it's just getting out of hand. It seems like every couple of days, more comes out that proves not only are they doing that today, they are aggressively attacking conservatives on a bunch of different levels. And if they're not doing anything more than making life difficult and uncomfortable, we're not supposed to be treated that way by any part of our government. That's never supposed to happen. But we're finding out every day it's not only happening now, it's been happening for years, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. The watchdog group Empower Oversight yesterday, they announced a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act. That's where you go and you file a request and give them the the reasons you need that document. 
Well, they filed a FOIA request for the FBI to provide documentation on a whistleblower's request to get outside employment while he was on leave for more than two years. Guy's name is Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen came forward, whistleblower, alleging that the FBI had retaliated against him for questioning FBI Director Christopher Wray's testimony to Congress about the presence of federal agents at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 21. He, Marcus Allen, has not received a paycheck from the Bureau for two years, and they have made it unable for him to secure FBI approval to go get another job. The FBI has made other unlawful decisions that aggravate Mr. Allen's financial distress by depriving him of other sources of income while he's been suspended indefinitely without pay. That's coming from this Empower Oversight President Tristan Levitt. The crux of the FBI's unlawful actions to interfere with Mr. Allen's ability to obtain another income is that, although the FBI has suspended him from all duties for two years, has stated its intention to revoke his clearance and never return him to duty status, it simultaneously claims that he remains an employee subject to various FBI restrictions and approvals that are necessary for outside income. The FBI's claim is plainly contrary to the statutory definition of a federal employee. Empower Oversight, they asked the FOIA officer to provide them with documents and communications related to Allen's request to get outside employment, which the group accused the DOJ of stonewalling. The FBI badly asserts the authority to require Mr. Allen to obtain permission from the FBI before accepting outside employment. That's Levitt, the attorney continued. When he asked for such permission, the FBI unreasonably delayed responding to Allen's good faith request for permission, causing him to lose an opportunity to mitigate the loss of his FBI income and causing him significant financial harm. This is the government that's supposed to be by the people, of the people, and for the people. Oh, my God. It's just crazy. You can't even make this stuff up. You can't make it up. I'm looking for something. I'm looking for a story. I have it somewhere this morning, and I want you to hear it. Chip Roy. Chip Roy is a lightning rod. He's a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. He's from Texas, and he is right in the middle of everything to do with Texas, as he's supposed to be. And in the context of this Ukraine funding bill and all the money that's being given away to foreign countries, and we're not talking about millions of dollars. We're talking about tens of billions of dollars. And they in Washington especially on the left. They just give this money away like they have an unending pocket that's full of money. And all you need to do, it's like when a young couple gets married and he opens up, the husband opens up a joint checking account for the pair, gives her a checkbook and he's got one. And he starts getting calls from the banks about her writing checks that hit the bank and there's not enough money to pay the check, so they bounce them. 
And so he goes and talks to his wife and he says, you don't understand. We only have so much money in that account. And every time you write a check, you've got to dis- uh, deduct what amount you wrote that check for so you know how much is there. Why haven't you been doing that? And she said, honey, I thought I still had checks in the checkbook so that there was money there. All I did was write a check when I wanted something. Nobody told me I was supposed to look at the balance and figure out how much we had left. That may sound paltry, but that's kind of like our government's treating Americans today and everybody they do business with. We can spend money just because we want to spend it. Oh, we don't have it in the bank? Well, we'll go borrow the money. We'll just write the check now. Chip Roy torched, he torched Senate Republicans that got aboard this crazy Ukraine bill. Here's Chip Roy. Republican Congressman Chip Roy at the great state of Texas, member of the Budget, Rules, and Judiciary Committees is in focus now. Good to see you. First of all, the, the bill, as I mentioned, had so many more billions of dollars, three times the amount for Ukraine than what originally was supposed to go for border security. Where are we now in terms of it reaching the House? Well, first of all, I think I might submit a bill pretty soon that will rename Texas to Ukraine. Then maybe this administration oh and even even senators will focus on now securing the border it of the United States. It might take that. I mean, look, I've never seen the nursing home known as the United States Senate work harder than when it comes to spending the American people's money for foreign wars. That's what's going on here. And by the way, is there anything more cynical than having Republicans sitting around defending their votes to send $60 billion to Ukraine than saying that will help our defense industrial base, that that will help American businesses? Since when do we have economic development that is being driven by, by funding war overseas? That's what's happening in the U.S. Senate. Because anybody that's sane and sees what's happening at our southern border would know that you cannot fund foreign wars while our border is wide open and exposed to criminals and lawlessness and terrorists that are coming across the border. We're still feeling it in Texas, even though, thanks to Governor Abbott and those that have been fighting down an Eagle Pass, most of the numbers are now heading to Arizona and California. But this is an ongoing problem. You know, 7,000 crossed the other day. 139 of them were Chinese foreign nationals. That's where the priority of the American people is. That's where my priority, priority is. And I think that is where the priority is for Speaker Mike Johnson. He was pretty clear yesterday that this abomination of a bill that came out of the Senate, that those 22 Republicans should not have voted for, uh, that that bill mm. will be dead when it comes to the House. Real quickly, uh, you know, has there been a push to sit down with President Biden and talk to him about flipping the switch? And I know he doesn't want to hear Trump policies. Maybe you could name them something else, like little candies that work well. I don't know. But, but what about that? Because waiting for all of this sausage to be made is leaving that border open longer than it needs to be, and he could take action. Yeah, he could take action right now. Uh, he certainly could limit the flow enormously. Uh, there's no, it's not a quick fix that and the executive can just wave his Understood. wand and take care of it immediately. We, need, we do need to pass laws to give him tools or force him to the table and to give a hopefully future President Trump tools. But the bottom line is they don't have any interest in sitting down at the table. Their interest is the chaos created by wide open borders. It is purposeful. It is being designed to flood the zone, to remake America. It's not just political. They want to remake America. They want to end Western civilization. They want to flood the zone with people from all over the world at a time when we have 50 million people who are foreign born in the United States. They are doing this for a reason. 
It is crass. Frankly, my Democratic colleagues are now the colonizers. They're going around trying wow. to force their will and their beliefs on everybody around the world, including, for example, countries in Africa who dare to say that marriage is between one man and one woman. These Democrats are radicals. They want to remake our country, and they're doing it right now at our southern border. Republicans need to lock arms and stand up and defend the border instead of just preaching about the border and campaigning on it. They need to stand up and do something about it. And those 22 Republicans who voted for that bad bill, abomination of a bill, should be ashamed of doing this to the American so, people, perpetuating open borders while funding the border security of Ukraine, Taiwan, and Israel. Congressman, uh, the impeachment of the man whose responsibility it was to I implement the laws on the books with mm -hmm. immigration. Republicans now are set to tee up a second vote, now tonight, aiming to impeach Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. One week ago, they first voted narrowly, and that failed. This time, they'll have an additional vote with House Majority Leader Steve Scalise back from cancer treatments, thank the good Lord. And former Affairs Committee Chair Mike McCall of Texas was on with me yesterday. Watch. Why can't you fire this man? Why, why didn't the Republicans get it done? Why didn't you? Well, we, we're going to on Tuesday. Steve Squeeze is coming back. I'll be a floor manager in the trial. This man is the architect of destruction, uh, and he has caused the chaos knowingly, uh, not, not uh, it really by design, not by accident. Well, it's Tuesday, and now it's Tuesday night. Tell me about this evening. Yeah, well, number one, we got to get everybody into town. We've got this storm blowing up to the northeast. We've got to make sure everybody comes into town so that we have the 216 boats that will be needed for us to get that done. Uh, God bless Steve Scalise. You're exactly right. I, I fought cancer at MD Anderson. That's where Steve is fighting cancer. And we're all praying for him. And I'm glad that he's coming back and he's going to stand up because he knows what we need to do. And it's not just political. This is important. Alejandro Mayorkas needs to be held accountable. He deserves to be the second cabinet secretary impeached because he has been endangering the American people while flagrantly violating his oath to defend the laws of the United States. And you know what? We're going to get those votes. Whether it happens tonight or tomorrow, we're going to get those votes because he needs to be impeached. And you know what? We will see what happens. But I want to give a shout out to my great team. Uh, they're the ones that put forward the first articulation of the reasons to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas in 2021, almost three wow. years ago. We made the case then. We knew it and mere nine months into this administration. And we've been making the case ever since. Well, you've made and I it hope the impeachment program. managers will do the job. Yes, yeah, I have. You, we talked you, about it here. Yep, we have. And, and that, that bit that you shared about your health, God bless you too. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad yeah. you're doing well. All right, sir, we will talk to you on the flip side of a nighttime impeachment vote on the Secretary of Homeland Security. Thank you very much. God bless, Harris. You too. I like. Congressman Chip Roy. He's very matter-of-fact. He doesn't scream and holler, but he's very demonstrative when he lays out these positions in support of the American people and the United States of America, rather than just bailing out anybody and everybody around the world. There's something that came up in that conversation there that I want to reach out and make all of you understand what's going on there. When they talk about our flooding in of southern border illegal immigrants that just come from all around the world. And they all are upset because all of a sudden it seems like we're getting Chinese nationals that are coming in and the dozens and the hundreds and the thousands. And they can't figure out why China's doing that. As you know, during the year last year, I went to Africa, went to Harare, Zimbabwe, and spent 10 days there. And I did my show live from there every day. And I learned a lot about some of the things that are going on 
in the continent of Africa that are really scaring Americans that are involved in Africa and a bunch of just African nations. China, Xi Jinping's Chinese leader, has for years been forcing criminals in Chinese prisons to go to Africa and find jobs and find women to marry and start families in Africa. Now, this is not something they come sit by your cell and say, hey, we've been thinking about this and we want you to think about this and let us know. We'd like to send you to Africa. And these these criminals, they say, I, I don't want to go to Africa. And then they tell them, this is not optional. We're not asking you if you want to do it. We're telling you to go there. And by the way, if you ever show your face back in China, you'll be executed on the spot. So what is that all about? The Chinese want Chinese people to take over the entire continent of Africa. Now, why would any country want to do that? There's nothing in Africa that would make people want to do. Do you understand the continent of Africa holds more minerals of unbelievable types and volume than does any other continent on the planet? I mean, pretty much anything you can think about. Oil and gas out the wazoo. Precious metals, gold, platinum, silver, diamonds, the only place on the planet that has rhodium. Now, what the heck is that so big a deal about, Dan? Every catalytic converter on any vehicle on the planet has to have rhodium in it. And rhodium comes from one place on Earth, Africa. We could go all day long about that. But that's why Chinese people are flooding to the United States now. They're being sent here. You mean these people are criminals? I'm not saying all of them are, but I'm telling you many of them are. And they're here because they were told to, and they had to come here or be executed. That's a fact. Don't forget that entire Blaze story penned by Steve Baker giving more information about the horrors of this FBI and what they did on January 6th, and we've just scratched the surface. That story is live right now at truthnewsnet.org. Make sure and check it out. You remember this song from the 60s? Along Comes Mary. We thought it was an innocent song. Mary in this song is marijuana. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Every time I think that I'm the only one who's lonely, someone calls on me. And every now and then I spend my time at ramen for some crystals falls in me. And then along comes Mary. And does she want to give me kicks? Any horse, any chicken, give me pickled memories. Oh, baby, run. When big desire is the fire in the eyes of picture sickness is the games they play And when the masquerade is played the name of folks make jokes at who is most to blame today
is as sweet as the punch. 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 